At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. I gotta tell y'all, Sam did it. Sammy, Sammy really, really did it. Now, you don't, most of you know Sammy, because a year ago during that whole COVID thing, uh, my dog made an appearance in quite a few videos because church was held from my living room. And since church was held from my living room, Sammy figured out a way to make a lot of appearances. Now, if you've never met Sammy, this is Sammy. He is the poodle. Now, this is him looking like he needs brushed. When he's brushed, he gets all fluffy and weird looking. So this is like manly Sammy. And he's a good dog. Like he can sit, he can stay, he can, he can roll over, he can jump through hoops. You know, poodles need to jump through hoops, right? He can do, he can do all that. And He's a daddy. Look at this. Look at this. He is a daddy. We got, all some little golden doodle puppies. And I heard like this weekend, they've opened their eyes and they're walking around. They're making sounds. And so I took this picture and I told Sammy to sit down and he sat down and I showed him this picture. I said, Sammy, you're a dad. He just looked at me like, I don't care. Like I just, now I can say all kinds of words and he cares. If I say, do you want breakfast? He goes, every meal is breakfast to Sammy. And so he loves breakfast. If I say, do you want to go out? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go bye-bye? Do you want to go to bed? Like he loves all those, he loves bedtime. Like he weirdly loves it. He thinks it's playtime because we bark and wrestle. And anyway, so he, he loves all those things. But when I said, look, you're a dad, nothing which is not how we would do it, right? We would get so excited, wouldn't we? Because you've been working, you've been playing, you're a new dad, you're a new mom. Like that is a moment for us, right? We are people who like to set goals and we like to chase and we like to pursue. If there was one word, there was just one word, I would say we have ambition, don't we? That's the word. Ambition is, is defined this way in the dictionary. It's a desire to achieve a particular end, a desire to achieve a particular end. So for you, it might be something artistic. It might be in your sports. It might be in your education. It might be in your family. It might be in your career. But we all have ambition, right? We have those things inside of us that get fired up that we want to pursue. The question is, what's your ambition? What is it that you're pursuing? Or maybe a better question is, who or what is informing your ambition? Who or what is informing your ambition? Let's take our Bibles and open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, over the last few weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Smoke and Mirrors, where we've been working our way through the first couple chapters so far of Ecclesiastes. Now, it starts out in chapter 1 by the writer identifying himself as the preacher. He doesn't really say, hi, everybody, this is King Solomon. He doesn't say that. But most theologians think that this is written by King Solomon because he says, this is King David's son. This is now the king over all of Israel. And then you read through everything that he's saying he's experienced in his life. And it just is a direct lineup with King Solomon's life. So most agree this is King Solomon. And King Solomon has said, I'm trying to pursue happiness. 
And so I'm going to chase after by buying everything that money can buy. By taking anything that power can take. If there's anything that I could experience in life, I want to experience it. And he ends that by saying, it's all chasing after the wind. It, it's, it's meaningless. There's no point in that. And so in today's passage, he's going to shift. He's going to shift from what I can consume, what I can buy, that hedonism, anything I can experience to make me happy. And he's going to shift back toward wisdom. Let's look at verse 12 through 14. Ecclesiastes 2, 12 through 14 is where we're starting. He says this. He says, so I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly For what can a man do who comes after the king? Only what's been already done. And then I saw there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. There's more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. So again, I just said how he had this moment that he just chased after anything that he thought would make him happy or feel good. Anything that money could buy, anything that power could could take, but he shifts here. He shifts here not to knowledge, because knowledge is what you know here, but he shifts to wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take your knowledge and put it into practice. That's a good working definition, right? Taking your knowledge, putting it into practice, that's wisdom. He says, I'm comparing wisdom to madness and to folly. Now, in the original Hebrew, this wouldn't have been two different thoughts, madness and folly. This was like one joined together thought, mad folly. Mad folly would have been living life foolishly. So he said, okay, to live life foolishly. Live life foolishly is just do whatever feels good. Like, that's not wise, that's foolish, because you know that's going to end in wreckage. He's like, I tried that, it ends in wreckage. So I'm going to go the way of wisdom. And he says, going the way of wisdom, do you see that word there? He says, there's gain, there's gain, there's profit. There's going to be profit that comes from it. So when you live a wise life, you should experience some gain from that. You should experience some profit from that. And then he says at the end of all that, it's still meaningless. It's still worthless. Now let's remember who's writing this. This this is Solomon. And this is Solomon not at the beginning of his life, not at the beginning of his career, but this is after he's had some years of experience. It would be like if you were to sit down with that person who said, I'm getting close to retirement. Now, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close to retirement. Started my company from the ground. You know, I started pushing that broom, and now I'm an owner of a multi-billion dollar company, a Forbes top 100 company. And imagine that individual sits down with you and says, I just want to pour out some of my wisdom to you so that you can, how cool would that be? Like, or imagine, imagine it was that person who's um, the sports person and you're trying to work your way into sports and you're trying to work your way up and they're like one of the greatest ever, you know, all-star type person. And they sit down with you, no cameras, no one writing anything. And they just say, I just want to take some of my experiences and I just want to share it with you. Isn't that where our minds normally go? Whatever it is you do, whether it's education, whether it's medicine, whether it's, it's business, whether it's your family, whatever it is you do, we're always looking for those people that we consider the greatest. Who's the greatest of all time? Who's the goat? 
right? We do this. We rank everything. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? And then we'll get in a fight about it, right? Who's the, the Tigers? Oh, Miguel, he's about to hit home run number 500, right? And so the stadiums are packed. Everyone's excited. The Tigers have gone from last place. They're up to second place. Incredible turnaround. And if I were to say, who's the greatest Tiger of all time? Well, I might as well just sit back and get me a LaCroix and watch the fireworks that's getting ready to happen, right? Y'all will get all fired up about that. We love to rank everything. Why is that? You see, I, I think we love those rankings because it puts in the perspective where we are a little bit. I think that's why we do it. Well, where am I? Compared to the greatest of all time, where do I fall in that ranking? I think that's the default of where we go and what we see Solomon saying who's one of the greatest ever, as he says, I'm looking at all of this and it's a chasing after the wind. Even when it's wisdom that you're pursuing, that's still meaningless, which then makes us kind of just ask the question, why doesn't it satisfy, right? In the end, why don't accomplishments ultimately satisfy? And that's where he takes us next in scripture. Verse 14, go back to the word. It says this. He says, and yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there's no enduring remembrance. Seeing then the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. And so he says, okay, so I pursue this wise life. But you know, if I pursue a wise life, there's three things that's going to happen. One, I'm going to experience tragedy just like the fool does. I'm going to experience hardships just like the fool does. Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says that God makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That's what Solomon's saying. Someone's saying the same thing that Jesus said, right? He's saying that I can go through life and try to be wise. It doesn't mean I'm not going to experience tragedy. I want you to know that because maybe you've experienced teaching that says if you're a Christian, nothing bad's going to happen in your life. That's false. That is not true. Sickness can still come, right? Job loss can still come. Tragedy can still come. And Solomon's saying, so I'm no different than the fool, I experience, and not only that, he keeps going, and he says, at the end, we're all going to hit that real final that we all experience, which is death. Whether you're wise or whether you're a fool, you're all going to die. Just picture the scene. You got this individual who's worked their whole life, and they've set this goal, right? 67, I'm going to retire, and then I'll be happy. I mean, life is horrible right now. I hate my life right now, but it's going to be so good. You know, I'm going to go golfing, and I'm going to go watch Miguel Cabrera, you know, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to get me a poodle, and then life is going to be good at age 67. You know, that's when it's going to hit, and they're 66 and a half. They just put up the garden hose, and they drop dead and die. You've seen the stories, right? You, you may know the individuals that that happened to. And Solomon's sitting here saying, yeah, we all end up in the same place. Whether you're wise or whether you're full, in the end, every single one of us will die. I like how one pastor said it. He said, this was a long time ago. He said, life on earth is a brief pilgrimage between two moments of nakedness, 
So we should be wise to travel light because we shall take nothing with us, right? <laughs> I like that. Solomon continues on, though, and he gives one more reason. He says, not only do we all experience good and bad, not only do we all experience death, he says, but every single one of us, our achievements over time, they're going to decrease. Year by year by year, our achievements will decrease. So tomorrow, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. is the plan. We'll see if that happens. Um, but we're loading up Gabe, and we're heading to Texas. We're taking him to college. And um, appreciate your prayers in that, because that's going to be a hard day, right? That's, that's not fun, but it is fun. It's a weird mixture of emotion. But his plan right now is to study history. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he sticks with it. But he loves history. He loves it. Some of you, you some of you don't. And I get that, right? Some of you, you don't like the history at all. But those who do like history, wouldn't you agree that most people in the world, they are forgotten after 20 or 30 years, like the world doesn't remember, even from history's perspective. There's a small number. Let that timeline go back to 75 years. Look how the number shrinks. How about a couple hundred years, a couple thousand years? After a couple thousand years, we hardly know anyone. I could throw out a name like Alexander the Great. And you guys go, I know that name. Why? Because his name is the Great. Of course I know his name. I don't know who named him the Great. Maybe his mama did that. Maybe he did that. He just thought himself so great. He said, I am Alexander the Great. I don't know how all that worked. But if I asked you, what did he, what did he do? Some of your history nerds, and you're going to go, oh, I know. He conquered almost the whole Western civilized world. That's what he did. And if I said, tell me the names of just two of his generals maybe there's one person in here that can do that. But for the most part, we're going, I don't know. Okay, he fought a lot of battles. That's what he did. Can you tell me the names of just two? Of No. No, you see, after, after a few thousand years, the amount of information that we remember about someone, it becomes less and less and less. I can go back not so long ago, and I can say, okay, the 20th century, who was the greatest athlete of the 20th century? May, I know, greatest of all time. We're going to have a debate. So I can drink my LaCroix, watch the fireworks. I know. But many people would go back to this guy named Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe, may, anyone know that name? All right, a quarter, maybe half of you, maybe. maybe. Okay, Jim Thorpe, he was famous. He's this Cherokee guy, which in Oklahoma, that means like you're a celebrity, you're a hero, right? Because it's where the Cherokee national capital is, is Oklahoma. And so he's, he's this guy who was this incredible athlete that was a professional in almost everything he did. We're talking professional football, professional baseball. And for uh, boredom's sake, he said, I'm going to go run in the Olympics. So he went to the Olympics. That's maybe where you heard his name was the Olympics. He goes to the Olympics. And when he gets there, someone steals his shoes. They stole his running shoes. And so he's like, well, i got to have shoes to run. You can't run barefoot. So he goes back to the trash cans out back. True story. You look it up. He goes back to the trash cans out back. And he finds two shoes that don't match puts him on his feet, and there's this great photo of him wearing mismatched shoes. He runs out, and he, he wins the gold medal, of course, greatest athlete, 20th century, right? Wins the gold medal in shoes that don't even match that he pulled out of the trash can. And half of us don't even know his name. Or if I said, I actually had to look this up. If I said, who are Michigan senators from 50 years ago? I don't know these names. You may know the name Philip Hart or Robert Griffin, 
maybe you know them because you've been in Michigan a while and you're like, yeah, of course I know them. They, yeah, they were senators for a long time. And they were, they were senators for a long time. Here we are just 50 years later. And so when Solomon says, over time, all your life's accomplishments, man, everyone forgets your accomplishments anyway. It makes sense why he then lands at this place of saying, I hated life. He chased everything he could chase. He spent money on it. He used his power. He used wisdom. And he says at the end of it, you're just forgotten anyway. He says, so I hated life. Now, back in the day, I've mentioned this so many times. So I was from Oklahoma. I traveled around a lot as a child. But then in elementary school, we landed in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, now they have a professional basketball team. So if you're in Oklahoma, everybody cheers for the thunder. You know, that's your team. When it comes to baseball, you're kind of divided. Half the people love the Cardinals. Half the people love the Royals. I don't know why the Rangers are left out because they're just as close. But Texas, I guess. I don't know. But you have the Cardinals and you have the Royals and you have to choose a baseball team. And then that's your baseball team because they're the closest teams. For football, there's no argument. America's team. Even though it's Texas, it's like it's overlooked because it's the Cowboys, right? And so all the way back to Tom Landry days, people of the Cowboys from my generation, man, it was Troy Aikman, and it was Emmett, and it was Dion, Neon Dion Sanders. Man, Dion Sanders was the first guy to play in the Super Bowl and the World Series. Talk about an athlete. And so I, I watched this video clip of him with Bear Grylls. And running wild with Bear. Bear Grylls is actually a Christian. And so they're having this conversation. And Bear asked him about the first Super Bowl. And Dion's laying there on the ground. And he says, you know, I won the first Super Bowl. And after the game, I, I was the first one on the bus, he said. I just felt empty. I felt, I felt so much emptiness inside. In fact, he goes on to tell a story about how he tried to drive his car off of a cliff to take his own life. Because of the emptiness he felt. So think about this. You have King Solomon saying, I hated life. You have a guy like Deion Sanders after winning the Super Bowl. He's got ambition. He's got drive. He's got work ethic. He's got skills and talents. And at the end, what did Deion say? I hated life. And it kind of leaves me in a place of going, well, what hope is there for us then? Right? If that's where these guys landed... What hope is there for us? And that's where we see a turning point in Scripture in verse 17. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and the striving after the wind. I have beat this drum every single week of this series and I will continue to do so. The struggle is when all we do is we focus on self. That's where the struggle is. When the whole focus of wisdom or of drive or ambition is building your story and your glory is going to leave you empty because God is supreme. Church, that's our big idea today. God is supreme. We see that scream at us from the pages of scripture. Isaiah 42, 8, the Lord says this. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, including to you or to me. He's not giving his glory to us. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. God reminds us that he is supreme. He is supposed to be the adoration of our lives, the ambition of our lives, the drive of our lives. We see Paul talk about it in Romans 11 when he says, Oh, the depths 
Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. There's no one like our God. Scripture says he is unsearchable. He is inscrutable. He is mind. His mind is unknowable. No one counsels him. He is the beginning, but he is the end. And that's true from the smallest atom to the largest of galaxies. You see, as your pastor, I want to tell you, I, I hope going into this school year, you hear me say this loud and clear. I want you to do great in school this year. I want you to crush it. I want you to have the best school year ever, surrounded by friends who, who know you and encourage you, but not just so that you can get that certificate at the end of the year that says, good job, you got the 4.0. I hope you do well in school for his glory, that you understand that while you're in school, you're on mission for him. Your sports, I hope you win state or states or whatever we call it in Michigan, right? I hope you do. I hope you conquer everything. I hope you become the very, very best at what you do. Not so your picture's in the paper, but for his glory. When you pick up that instrument, I hope that when you play that instrument, you feel the Lord smiling down on you as you play your instrument. That you see that instrument just as an extension of praise back to him. As you pick up that paintbrush or that pencil, that that's for him. Parents, when, when you look at your neighbors, when you look at your kids, when you look at where God has planted you right here, right now, that you see right where you are, not as a stepping stone to get to where you really need to be so that you can really be happy, but I hope you're able to look around and to say, this is for his glory. I hope that wherever you are, you see that in business, I want you to be successful in business. I hope you're able to expand this year beyond your wildest dreams. I hope this year's the year that you crush it in business. Not just so that you can buy better RVs and bigger houses. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that should be our ambition. That's not the driving force in our lives. Here should be the driving force. I want to know the Lord. More, more than I want success in business, more than I want wisdom, more than I want knowledge, more than I want skills and talents. I just, I want to know him more. I want to spend the energy and the time to know him more. That's my ambition this year. All that other stuff is great, but that's what's driving me. I want to make him known. I truly want to share the gospel message with those around me. If those things happen, everything else, that, that's great. It, because that place, when you get there, when all of a sudden you do get the uh, news that you do have cancer, when you do get the news that the work isn't going to last and your boss is going to have to let go of you, when you do get that report card and it's not the grade you were hoping for, when your neighbor does do something and, and cuts off relationship with you, when those things happen, it's not going to shake your world. It doesn't mean it's pleasant. It doesn't mean it's good. But it means you're able to look at this and say, my life is not my own. Back to how we start, because I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. 
And my job is to shine that for the whole world. Now, just a few minutes ago, I told you about that scene with Bear Grylls and Dion. And um, as I thought about it this week, instead of me just watching and telling you about it, I, I thought it'd be super beneficial for you to actually see it and hear it for yourself. So here's that clip with Bear Grylls and Dion Sanders. Dion is the only man in history to play in both the Super Bowl and the World Series. He dominated both sports for more than a decade, earning himself two Super Bowl rings and a spot in the Hall of Fame. So out of all of the sporting moments, what was your greatest, do you think? Do you ever think about those no. or do you not really? Honestly, man, behind the veil, behind the mask, I'm really different than my public persona. My public persona is prime time, you know? So like, even like when you won the Super Bowl and stuff? When I won the Super Bowl, when I won my first Super Bowl, what did he do? I was the first one on the bus, first one to bed. I didn't even go to party. It was something missing inside, man. It wasn't fulfilling as I thought it was. It, it, it wasn't about the things, the outward things, because I had um, power, money, and, and sex, but it wasn't fulfilling. So you had all of that power, money, and sex, and it was it just? It was empty. It's an empty feeling still. Still empty. So what happened? That's when I went through my, my first divorce in which the only things that I knew that truly loved me were my two kids. Now they're gone. Now they've been taken away. Because you lost custody of your kids. It was, it was devastating. And I went through suicidal thoughts, a suicidal period. I, I ran um, this car off the side of the highway and was at the bottom. I thought it would just car would flip it and flip. And I was still there. And I was like, man. Hmm. Shortly after that, I had to just come to the Lord with my hands up, say, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. You got me. I give up. God, you take me. So like all of that power, money, sex didn't empty. give you what your, your empty. faith has. Mm -mm. Empty. Emptiness. There's a great power to being able to achieve amazing things. Mm -hmm. and yet hold them so lightly because you have something far more precious. That's it. And, you know, we share a faith together. You know, it's like a backbone to me as well. And it's like all the achievements and the summits and they're, they're nothing compared to, right. you know, that's something inside. And I totally see it in you. I stayed strong and I never questioned God. And I won custody of so my babies. you won babies. custody. Yeah, I won custody of all my babies. And I'm happy, you know, I pride myself on being the best dad in the world, man. I know all their shoe sizes, all their clothes sizes, the teachers. Uh, I know how to braid my daughter's hair. <laughs> it has to be something bigger than you that you're working for, that you're living for. If it's all about you, you've already lost. Yeah, if it's all about you, you've already lost. I am. Um, I, I think what hits me hard as a pastor is knowing that every Sunday, inevitably, there's someone sitting here, multiple someone sitting here, and right now you feel like your life is like that car of Dion's, where your life has just been turning end over end after end. And maybe you look in the mirror and you say, but I'm achieving some things, I'm accomplishing some things, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm marching forward and I'm doing well, and yet there's an emptiness I want you to know that that emptiness can only be filled with Jesus Christ. God loves you. God loves you so much, but you and I, we've sinned. 
We've fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's an eternal separation from our Heavenly Father. But here's the incredible love of God. That he says, someone's got to pay because of that sin. So he says, I'll pay. That's why Jesus came. And he lived a perfect and a sinless life. He was crucified on the cross to pay for our sins. That's that faith that they were talking about. That it's not what I can achieve with my wisdom, with my talent, with my giftedness, with my experience. It's not what I can achieve, but it's what Jesus Christ achieved on that cross for me. Greater than any summit you could ever experience. And so maybe that's you and you need to surrender your life to Jesus today and stop this end over end. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your holy word, for the way it continues to sharpen and to mold us. Lord, I do pray for those in this room that maybe they've never surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. They hear this faith that Bear Grylls talks about or that Dion talks about or that I talk about or that maybe they've heard relatives talk about. Lord, I pray that today is the day that they experience that faith for themselves. That they throw their hands up, just like they heard in the video, they throw their hands up and they say, Lord, today is the day that I surrender. I am surrendering everything to you as Lord and Savior. Not expecting God that that's when everything ends up perfect in our lives, but realizing that we get a perfect standing with you because of our faith in Christ. Lord, let today be that day of salvation. And for the rest of us as, as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that today reading through your word is such an encouragement because we don't have a desire to have an ambition to chase after money or fame or more of this and more of that. But God, our ambition is to know you. Our hunger and desire is to make you known to all the nations. Lord, let us never grow tired of the mission that you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's stand as we close our morning worshiping together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.